Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 21. We're going to finish this section because next week we're going to be talking about marriage. Amen. And how it's an illustration of Christ's relationship with the church. And we're going we're to see why you really get married. Not because you think somebody cute and because you got googly eyes for them. Amen, lights and walls. But, 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 but it means that marriage has a purpose. And what a day and age we need to know purposes of things. Amen. Verse 11. Here we go. It says, Ephesians 5, 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works or deeds of darkness, but instead, or rather, expose them. Say expose them. For it is shameful even to, to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, look carefully then. How you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual Song, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting, submitting, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Um, um, th th this, this, this talk, this, this, I hate calling it preaching, a talk. That makes it less authoritative. This sermon today, right? It's going to be interesting because it follows the pattern of the verbiage of the chapter. Um, one of the things that you're going to see through chapter 5, a whole bunch, is the word walk. Say walk. Walk, walk began in its start exegetically in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, where he said, walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. That means show God that he didn't save you for nothing. In other words, your behavior should reflect the one that saved you. Uh, um, th that means there are things that identify you with the one you're walking with by behaving like he's called you to behave. And so this idea of walk we see picked up in chapter, chapter 5, verse 2, when he says, and walk in love. He says also in verse 9, walk as children of the light. And we'll see later, look carefully how you walk. So it seems as if, God is deeply concerned with how his people walk. Uh, uh, he, he's deeply concerned with our ability to skillfully execute the wisdom of the scriptures practically and obediently in every area of our life. So much so that we've titled it within that vein, which points to how we're going to walk through this section. Clear signs today, clear signs that you walk with Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about in this passage clear signs that you walk with Jesus Christ. 
That's very, very important. That's very, very important for us to understand because it shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't surprise anyone when, if you say you're a Christian. All right, somebody should say, really? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like we're, and, and again, we're not talking about doing, walking to get salvation. You walk because you have salvation. So, so you don't earn a relationship with God through Christ. So this message today ain't us earning anything. You see, some of us think if we have a quote-unquote bad day in sin, we've lost our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. No, you, you, your, your relationship with God through Jesus Christ is secure. He says in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives to me shall come to me, and the one that comes to me I shall certainly not cast out. That means your, that salvation, your, your relationship with God isn't automatic, but your fellowship and your intimacy with God is not. And so therefore, Paul begins walking us through this section when he's talking about be careful how you walk. He, he wants his people to understand, God's people to understand clearly what does it look like to walk with Jesus. Now we saw in other parts of the book, we saw in chapter 1, the latter part of chapter 3, we saw that prayer, time with the Lord, solitude, meditation, all of those are good practical executions or ways to be obedient to what it means to walk with the Lord. <clears throat> now he gives really three kind of large categories that goes under what it looks like to show the fact that you walk with God through Jesus Christ. And so number one, you're a snitch. That's number one. You're a snitch. Okay, y'all looking at me crazy. It's in the text. He says in verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. That means that you don't do life you evangelize, but you don't do life with dark people who are wilding out. That means you're, when you become a Christian, your community changes. Who pours into your life must be different. You can, somebody that don't know Jesus can show you how to buy a house. They can talk, about, talk to you about negotiating how to buy a car, but they can't tell you how to choose a spouse. They can't, they can't, tell, you, they can't tell you how to grow spiritually. In other words... Soul issues are only on limits to people who know Jesus. So you don't, become, you don't take part in the unfruitful deeds of God. But, but listen to what he says. But he said, rather expose them. Say expose them. Expose. So that means you are a snitch. And I know we had a few years ago in Philly a bunch of stands downtown in Center City that had the stop shine joint on it, and it said stop snitching. And snitching, of course, in our culture... Uh, 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 it, it is a bad thing in, 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 in culture, but, but, but in, in the church, snitching is a good thing. In other words, you, t you are supposed to tell on yourself and tell on others. Right. I wish I had some. See, see that, 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 means, that means that you allow God into every single area of your life to put you on blast. So, so, so exposing, exposing yourself means that now that you are a child of the life, light, there is no longer no any such thing as my business. Stay out of my business. There's only a few things that you can call your business. The marriage bed, Hebrews 13. The bathroom, amen. <laughs> and a couple other things, but everything else we have the right to be nosy where one another is spiritually. 
because we are supposed to expose ourselves. We're supposed to put ourselves on blast and put ourselves in a position for God. And the word here, expose, means to scrutinize. It means to have a self-rebuke towards yourself. It, it, it means to examine carefully. That means you know you, you know you got some level of humility when you say, come in and look at my life and show me where I'm wild. See, if you don't have people, see, many of us like people in our life that love us in an encouraging way by, by falsely constructing us but not deconstructing us. And so what you need in your life is some people that got Tourette syndrome. See, you need some people that got Tourette's. And then they start telling you about it. Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know where that came from, but you, you wild and they just said it all out. You just, dang. And you just feel like violated. You haven't exposed your life if somebody hasn't spoken into it and you don't feel violated. And see, 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 in other words, there's no such thing as off limits. See, when I was growing up, you know, I had on my room, you know, my brothers and sisters trying to come up in my room. Stop signs and X's, you know, police tape and all of that type of stuff. Like, don't bust in my room because you don't know what your boy doing. Even though I was in there doing dirt, you know what I'm saying? But don't come in my room. So my brother and sister kicked down the door. I'm like, hi, hey, hey. You know what I'm saying? Um, don't come in my room. We get going back and forth. We about to knuckle up all of that. But see, my father, right, saw all that on the door. But see, that didn't matter to daddy because the first thing he said when I, he kicked open the door was that you don't pay no bills in this house. <laughs> and I said, this is my room. He said, me, he said show me some payment slips. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, you can have your own room when you get your own house. He said, but in this house, this house right here, the, everything in here I have free access to so that means you must live in this house in such a way that you're expecting me to bust in on you. Well, that's what it's like to be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When he buys you and when he puts you in a relationship, he has the right to kick down the door in your life and go examination. But what he likes to do in exposing us is the expectation, though, is you would leave the door. But see, if I had a honey over back in the day, I'm just being honest, right? Had a little lady over. See, I went upstairs. My parents ain't play your girlfriend spend the night type stuff and, you know, none of that. And you in the room and the doors all closed and the music's up loud. They know us, right? So would you let, leave the door open. You ain't got nothing to hide. Open at all times. You don't close your door. I'm, no, don't ever. I had to leave my door open at night and all that because my parents did not play my door being closed. Why? Because they saying I have free access to walk in this mug anytime I want to. So you're not going to be behind a closed door to put anything off limits to my ability to see what's going on in there all the time. When you expose yourself, you're opening up the door of your life for God-centered accountability to challenge your raggedy behind to make sure you walk with Jesus. See, you, you got to be able to admit that you're raggedy. See, see, mostly, I'm all right. I'm blessed and highly favored. And you're trifling too. And so therefore, you leave the door open to say, yo, Plat out. And so, so in exposing ourselves, in other words, people who are walking as people of the light live a lifestyle where they expose their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but not just saying, well, I got my personal relationship with God and my relationship is personal. So therefore, I take it before God. 
And all I do is tell God and expose myself only to God, but I don't expose, because see, everybody got this individualistic, I got a relationship with God and don't need nobody else's relationship with everybody else. However, biblical exposing based on 1 John chapter 1 talks about we walk in the light together, not as individuals. So therefore, walking in the light and being exposed to God means that God is wanting to shine himself on every area of your life uh, 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 in a non-segregatory way. I made up a word, segregatory way. It's <laughs> the best way I could put it. So he goes further, and then he says, take no part in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful to speak of the things that, are, that they do in secret. And what he's saying is, is I don't want you walking in the light and rehearsing what life was like before you met with me. So you may not be functionally walking with darkness, but you're talking about your former enjoyment of darkness. And when you talk about your former enjoyment with darkness, you know what I'm saying, what you begin to do is you begin to relive the experience of enjoyment that you had in that darkness in such a way where you have a light, uh, in the light you have an infatuation with your past. In other words, you'll begin to call the bad old days the good old days. And, 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 but, but you forgot the state that you were in. And that's why throughout the Bible, God always wants us never to forget the state we're in. That's why he says it is shameful. Shameful pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ did two main things on the cross in relation to our souls. He was our propitiation in that he removed God's wrath from coming after us. That's why uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse uh, uh, 8 says that we have been, past tense, saved from the wrath of God. That's called propitiation. Say propitiation. propitiation. But, then, but then God also, based on Isaiah 53, the Bible says um, in a translation of it in Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, that surely he bore our griefs and our infirmities and carried off our diseases. Meaning, meaning when, Jesus, when, 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 we, when Jesus died on the cross, he not only took away the wrath of God towards us, but he took away our guilt for the sins that we committed. So that means there is no longer shame in relation to your life in relation to sin. That's why it's shameful to talk about the things because the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ, uh, he, he, didn't even, he didn't even care about the shame uh, of the cross because he knew what it was going to produce because he took on our shame so that we wouldn't live in shame. And so that's why it's shameful to talk about the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Why? Because you're rehearsing a place of guilt that Jesus Christ's death removed from your life. Because your affections are different now. You know you walk with Jesus if you like God. You know you walk with Jesus if you are grieved in this sense momentarily by how whack you were before Jesus. And you begin to see what your life was really like from a spiritual standpoint versus celebrating what you were like and as if that was a good time and an enjoyable time when you were in darkness. And so it is shameful to even speak of the deeds which are done by them <coughs> in secret. So he goes forward <clears throat> and he says, but when anything is exposed to light, it becomes visible. That's good. That's, that's real, 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 real good. When anything is exposed to light, because our life 
is supposed to be a light. Um, I, I, now, 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 this is interesting. Christ here isn't the light. In this illustration, um, 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 the believer is the light. Just like Jesus talks about Matthew 5. You are the light, what, of the world. Now, this, now, now this is kind of a, a way to lay that thing out. Well, you know, when I was little, I used to steal my, my, um, my daddy's magnifying glass because, you know, my father had, you know, his top part of his glasses was just regular. Then the bottom part, it was like this thick thing right there at the bottom where he'd read. And so he would, when he didn't have those on, he used a magnifying glass. So I would take my father's magnifying glass outside. And, you know, I lived in the hood, so we had cracks in our sidewalk, a lot of them. And ants were all in between the cracks and crevices with crabgrass growing up. That's what we used to call it, crabgrass. That means just wild grass, right? And I would take the, the magnifying glass and, and let the sun's light hit it and intensify. And I'd just burn up the ants in the water. I was just a cruel little joker, you know? And I would just, I would just burn the slug, just let them burn. Put salt on them. Y'all don't know about that. And then burn, then burn the slug. See, y'all ain't grow up nowhere, see? And I, and, 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 and I burn it. In other words, the, the S-U-N would shine on the, the magnifying glass, but the magnifying glass was built to intensify light that's coming through it so that it shines light and burns up stuff that it hits. See, when he says, if anything, if anything he says, he said, but when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. So our lives are first off supposed to expose everything, but then he says, for if anything that becomes visible is light. Hold on. How does, if something becomes visible in the light and it's no longer darkness, darkness can't exist in light, 1 John 1, 5. So therefore, the darkness that existed before the light hit it disappeared because the light had an effect on darkness to remove it and therefore transfer it, like it says in Colossians 1, 11 through 14, it says we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his marvelous son. So now we're people of light. That means we live exposed, we live open, and we say, God, every area of my life is wide open because I have no secrets anymore. I have no secrets. And, 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 so, and so here, he wants us to begin a lifestyle and walk in a lifestyle when we snitch on ourselves. But then he points to what, what Christ's role is, right? In this, in this latter part of verse 14, therefore it says, awake sleeper, awake O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and who will shine on you? Christ. So Christ shines on us, therefore making the light that we emanate his light, that we emanate on planet Earth to show off the beauty of who he is on planet Earth. Now, now, when you become a believer, your ID card changes. Your ID card changes. See, your ID card used to say dark, dirty, raggedy, wild and out, deeds of the flesh cat. That's what it said at the top. Okay? It said kingdom of darkness, and then it gave you the fruit of darkness. Okay? But, 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 but whenever... Our ID card expires, you got to turn it in. And so when you trust in Jesus Christ, you turn in your old school ID card. Because everybody, no matter how young or how old are you, you are, if you've been transformed by the gospel, you got to old school you. Okay? You turn in that ID card, and he, put, he issued you a new ID card. And, and, and this new ID card ha, ha, has at the top of it, transformed by the kingdom of Christ. 
walking in all truth, in all righteousness and holiness, by way of love, joy, peace, patience, kind, all of that which makes a Christian a Christian. In other words, we bear fruit. I decard that we're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So you have a right to open your wallet and pull out your new ID card and begin to click, kick. Because, listen, that old thing was a mugshot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but now you got a brand spanking new ID card that shows you off in a different light. And what's funny about every believer is all of our ID cards, the picture is just the cross. <laughs> that, that's the picture. That's the, that's the picture. That's the picture. And then when you turn on the back, it says... Uh, doesn't need any visual devices. They can see 2020 now. And so what happens to our lives, y'all get that on the way home, is that, is, 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 is that, is that you were once darkness and, and the enemy of this world had you blinded, unable to see the glory of the gospel. But now that the transforming work of God through the gospel has transformed you, you ain't got cataracts no more. And so here... These are signs that you are in a relationship with God through Christ. I can keep on that one, but we're going to move. Second point. You honor the Lord with your time. You honor the Lord with your time. Look at, look at verse 15. It says, look carefully. There it is again. How you walk. In other words, how you behave. <coughs> Not as unwise, but wise. That idea of unwise and wise, like we said last week, points right back to an understanding of Proverbs, where in the Proverbs, um, to be unwise meant to be a fool. And the main word for unwise in Proverbs is a nabal, which means a stupid fool. It means a fool's fool, a teacher of fool, a disciple of fools, just a bottom shelf, wilding out, left field of the kingdom, non-wisdom-liking fool. Now, for the one, for wisdom, in here is Sophia, but OT was chakma. Say chakma. That meant, that meant skillfully living out the information that's been given to you. That, that's what it means to be wise. He says, it says so now, the, the, you know you walk with Jesus, not if you read a lot. That, that's not what the text say. It, it doesn't mean you don't read. It just means reading in the Bible was never a sign that you're a Christian. Show it to me. It says study to show what? Yourself approved. Now, now show is the key word. In other words, that you've been impacted by that which has been shown to you. Somebody ought to hear me. And so he says, wise. Now you got the information, but you walk with Jesus showing that there's actual transformation leading to obedience and application. I wish I had some help. So now what's happening is you grow in your ability to maximize the information that you're reading all the time. See, so, so, so I don't care how big your library is, how many books you got on your Kindle, how many you got on your iPad, how many you got on your iPhone, I don't care how many apps you got on there, how many Bible apps, if you're not implanting the Word of God in you and you're allowing God to help you to live that thing out, you are unwise. And that's very important because we're an information age and we give ourselves credit for skill. But we don't, but, but, but not for com committing, committing to the information that we're using and implanting in ourselves. So, so this is very, very important. Walk as wise people, not unwise. 
wise people. But then he says something interesting. He said, and this is what it looks like to be wise. He's going to tell you next verse. Making the best use of your time. Oh, stop right there. We can just do a benediction right after this. We can do a benediction. You might as well put the sign down. I'm good. Time. We're just going. Um, uh, 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 best use of, making the best use of your time. That word best means redeem. Redeem time. It means to buy time. It means time is usually used based on 2 Timothy chapter 3 for wilding out. But now your time should be maximized. It can be, trans, it can be translated also taking advantage of every moment in your life. In, in, in other words, there should not be an idle second of a Christian's life. In other words, everything, that, that's why some of y'all, when y'all call, call you, you always chilling. Help me, God. What you doing? How you, how's your week? You know how we do. You know, what, what, what is that? I'm just trying to understand how we do, you know? We're just chilling, you know? You know, same stuff, different day, but you know you say something different. Um, and so you're going to get it. You'll get it later. But it, 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 in other words, taking advantage of the times points to making best use of the opportunities that God bring your way. To Ephesians chapter 2, this points back to Ephesians 2.10. Now, wait, 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 now, now I, this, this is a good application. I'm going to park here for just three seconds. Okay. It says, it, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works beforehand that we should walk in. Now it says here, make best use of your time. Let's connect those two. So God in eternity past knew that he was going to save you. And what he did was he created works that he has waiting for you from the day of your spiritual death to the day of your possible physical death. And there are good works that God will pop up like a Pop-Tart throughout your life. And what these good works are, are things that are, the good work are, is not you doing a good work. You walk in the good work. See that word walk again? There it is. In other words, when God brings the good work your way, you take advantage of it by rightly behaving with it and in it. Wish I had help. And so, and so what he's helping us to do is to take advantage of every single moment. However, God providentially allows things to pop up when we're ready for them. And see, some of us, some of the good works in our life ain't going to pop up until you mature a little bit more. Because God is not, he's a good steward, and he's not going to unwisely give you wise things if you're walking and being unwise when you're not walking wise. So therefore, he wants you to walk wise so that he can pop that thing up in your life. And I ain't talking about nothing freaky. Because many of us, many of us ain't going to get certain things. Now, now there's a part, I know we, we're the rejection of blessing culture. You know, God don't do nothing, you know. But there is a sense of blessing in every Christian's life that's not prosperity gospel. Yeah. But it's just blessing. God yeah. does bless people with things. Yeah. Now, ain't people. But see, some of y'all want a spouse. <laughs> but God isn't going to let you see that person yet. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. <laughs> because you're not ready to walk in that good work. There are things that you're praying for that God already wants to answer, but you can't take advantage of them because you won't walk in his wisdom. 
Because he's not going to let he he's not going to allow you to wrongly take advantage or molest his will. He's just not going to let you do that. He's just not going to let me just say he's not going to let you do that. And so God is a good steward of everything, but he loves you enough to not give you more than you're ready for before you're ready for it. But what he's committed to doing is helping you to get ready for it. See, you know you walk with Jesus that when God sends something your way, you're able to pounce on it. But the issue is some of us haven't finished the good works that God already said before us, and so God is not giving you anything new because you don't finish nothing. We're on application now. So he wants you to backtrack, not living in the unredeemed past, but some stuff, some of y'all don't finish nothing. And so God is saying, I want you to backtrack and finish and take advantage of what I already set before you because I'm not going to add, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to just make you a, 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 a will hoarder. You're not going to hoard my will. In other words, enjoying having an opportunity, but not utilizing and maximizing and taking advantage of the opportunity. And so, and so, and so that's why he says making best use of the time that God has given us. That's what Paul is talking about here in this passage. This is what it looks like to say you walk with Jesus Christ. So stop getting jealous of somebody that's taking advantage of God's will. Wow. Stop being jealous. You ain't, listen, because he says he's given everybody good works. So all of us got good works, but when you see God doing something and blessing somebody else and they completing stuff, finishing stuff, God moving their life on, don't, listen, don't get jealous, get in prayer. And don't say, well, God, you ain't doing it in my life. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, you Because mostly we got jealous people in the room. That's this one, biblical haters is good, right? There is such thing as haterade. You know what I'm saying? Haterade really is when you watching God do something in somebody else's life and you want him to do it in your life, but you don't have the maturity to commit yourself to God doing it in your life. See, because we want the blessings without the blessor. Therefore, God won't let you get stuff without him. So therefore, he wants to get you with him but so that when you get the stuff, you'll remember him and use the stuff for him. So, 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 so when you take advantage, when you take advantage of your time, when you take advantage of your time, it's because you're maturing and God wants to send stuff your way. Y'all say, this is a man-centered sermon. No, it's a God-centered sermon because the stuff that you get, you use to his glory. There is a such thing. I, I got to help us because we're so conservative. God blesses his people with stuff. But the stuff is for him. And it's not always loot. Sometimes it is. Not every Christian ain't going to be a million. That's some. But the issue is maturity is what God is after. God is after you looking like Jesus. That's what he's, that's what he, and everything in your life that doesn't look like Jesus, he wants to burn it out. And, 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 so, and so Paul helps us here by saying, I want you to take advantage of every opportunity. That means some of y'all need to finish school. That means some men... You're going to have to increase your household finances to be able to facilitate more in your house. Ah, oh, I got quiet on that one. Uh, um, that, 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 that means, that, that, oh, I wish, oh, God help me. That means that many of us are going to have to have a broader biblical vision of where God is taking us so that we can take advantage of everything. But there's things, some of y'all are called to ministry. Some of y'all are called to ministry. But your character is not ready for ministry. Because we, we, we're a stuff-wanting culture. We like it when we get something. You know, I got something early. Like, I'm young with all this. And that don't mean nothing if you ain't got no depth. 
care nothing about that. Listen, God cares about, cares about you maximizing and taking advantage of everything. So that means you can't spend forever to get it done. Procrastination. <laughs> so that, that's me, you walking with Jesus when you feel like there's fire under you to do what God has called you to do. There should be some fire under you. I'm going to move on in a second. But there needs to be some fire under you for, for God's will to be done in your life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A passion, a desire to say, God, everything you do, I'm going to diligently spend myself on. That, that's what it means to take advantage and redeem the time. The cross is the means of redemption. All of everything that God wants to give you is already paid for. He's just not going to let you go to the checkout counter yet. <laughs> it, 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 so, and so that's, that, this is very, very important. So we move on. We move on. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. So in honoring God with um, your time, <laughs> um, it's very, very important also as we move to the next, next section is in taking advantage of that time. Finally, looks like you walk with God clearly when you submit to godly influences. When you submit, I'm, I'm, I want you to put that word in all capitals if you've taken notes. You submit to all godly influences that God places in your life. Okay? And so, and so, and so in verse 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery or dissipation. Or, 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 or drunkenness. In other words, uh, debauchery means to be under the influence of anything that causes you to not walk in submission to the living God. In other words, if anything diffuses your ability to, to walk in submission and glory of God, it is debauchery. I was watching, uh, you know, I, 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 I never watch TV on Sunday morning. I turned on this thing called The Unexplained. And there's this little boy on there. And his parents, right, like, he starts having bad dreams and all of this stuff, and, 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 they, and he starts talking like an adult. And so they think it was a past life, like, so they start showing a picture, and it's a past life, and he thinks he's this past life person, so they spend all of his money taking him to this person's place so that he could come to terms um, with his past life, and his past life will end, so that when his past life ends, now that he can be a little boy now, and in other words, that influence, that ain't nothing but familiar spirits. That's the devil, the devil, and the devil. Um, okay, so, you know, we don't clear our minds in Christianity. We don't go alm and none of that. We don't clear our minds. We gird our minds for action. We gird them. You put stuff, God says, engraft the word on your mind. It don't say clear your mind. So, so, so here, we, we put stuff on our mind, but if you're dissipated with anything, it, help, it causes your mind to be cleared of what it should have on it and open to what it shouldn't have in it. And so, and, so, and so here in this text, he says, but be filled with the Spirit. Imperative. Interesting. Now, I know that Christians, you know, have a bunch of different philosophies of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Some believers believe that you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, and once you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you have a second a, a, a attack of God on your life, a blessing of God on your life called the filling of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And then from there, you're filled with the Holy Spirit forever. Okay, you got that view. Then you have the other view, which believes that there are moments and times in your life where the Spirit fills you. Then you have the third view, 
which um, they don't believe uh, or they don't pay attention to the Holy Spirit at all. In other words, the Holy Spirit is an interrupter. So um, let's be so conservative in our theology where we theologize our way out of needing to, to have the Spirit in our life. And so those are, those are three areas. Now let's look at some text to help us to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Luke 1, 41. You don't have to turn. I'm going to just read it. It says, And Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. And she exclaimed uh, 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 with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Luke 1:67. And the father, and his father, that's John's father, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, uh, in other tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yeah. Acts chapter 4, 31, and when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken, and they, they, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Um, and and, 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 and um, another passage, Acts 13, 9, and Saul, uh, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You're, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Mm, filled with the Spirit and said that. Acts 13, 52. It says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 8. And then Peter, filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the, uh, of the people, and began to address them. Now, now, now it's interesting in these passages, we see, we see a lot of different things that we can observe in here. But what, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? To be filled with the Spirit means to be under the control of the Spirit under the control of the Spirit, not controlling the Spirit. So, so, so therefore, therefore, no one tells the Holy Spirit what to do. Just think about that for like 20 minutes. Nobody. Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you right now. Like, monk, ice grilling the Holy Spirit with your fingers all up. Like, yo, Holy Spirit, we, you know, like, who are you talking to? Ask Ananias and Sapphira what happens when you wild out on the spirit, right? So, so, so the Holy Spirit is to be submitted to, not him submit to us. Because it means to be under his control. And when you're under his control, you walk in self-control. So that doesn't mean you're a zombie. You're a zombie and you like kind of walk around and you just kind of... You know, go around and you hold it. No, it's like you, what happened? I don't even know what happened. You know, the Holy Spirit was controlling you, brother. Like, what, I don't know what happened when the Holy Spirit was controlling me. You know, I don't know what happens when he, when he controls me. I mean, you shout and slap people in the face and knock babies. Baby, people know when you catch the spirit, the baby up in the air. Somebody got to go, whoa, whoa. You know what I'm saying? They're like, that ain't the Holy Ghost. Nobody, achoo, catches the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost ain't a cold. He's not a virus. Either you have him or you don't. So the, and the Holy Spirit doesn't fall anymore. He's here. Okay? So, so, that, so, let's, 
But so, 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 so we, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.14, you receive the spirit when you believe. Well, somebody say, that's an indwelling, not a filling. Uh, uh, yes, it was an indwelling, not a filling. But that doesn't mean another filling comes. Now, let's look at these passages. One of the several things you'll see in these passages is very, very important. You'll see that in relation to the filling of the spirit, God's spirit fills us without our help. Look at all the passages. Did anybody make the spirit come? Show me. Even in the upper room, did we? Holy Spirit, come on, come on, come on, come on. Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, make the Holy Spirit come. That's number one. Number two, um, the Holy Spirit filling in the New Testament was deeply connected to ministry. Go to all of them passages all over again I just gave you. And every time somebody was filled with the Spirit, ministry happened. Every single time. Look how Paul just, he filled with the Spirit and just started rebuking the cat. Right? But, but then we'll also see, um, we'll also see that, that it isn't a one-time occurrence. Because the same people that got filled with the Spirit on Pentecost, plus the 3,000 that got saved on the day of Pentecost, plus the people in chapter 2, verse 47, who were added to the number as believers, were praying in Acts 4.31. So that means that the people that are in Acts 4.31 were present on the day of Pentecost, the 120 who spoke in the Spirit, right? I mean, who got filled with the Spirit and spoke tongues, spoke in tongues. So that, now don't hear us saying we're against the gift. We believe in all the gifts, just in order. 1 Corinthians 14, in full effect. Now let me go back to it before you just wig out on us. Now, here we go. And so we see that they got filled in Acts chapter 2, but then we see they got filled again. You see, Peter gets filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but then he gets filled again with the Spirit in chapter 4, verse 8, right? You see, Paul got filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 9. When Annas laid hands on him, he received his sight, trust as Jesus. And then guess what? He was filled with the Spirit. Then you see him in Acts chapter 13, verse 9, filled with the Spirit again. So being filled with the Spirit is a multifaceted over and over and over and over event that happens in the life of the believer as they submit to God through Christ. Because if you're filled with the Spirit all your life, you don't sin no more. Because it means to be under the Spirit's control. Now, if you say you're filled with the Spirit, I, I've been filled, Holy Ghost filled, okay, I, okay I, I ain't mad at you. But do you still sin? Because the definition of being filled with the Spirit is to be under the Spirit's control at all times. So that means you walk around, you just Spirit-filled all the time, eyes wide open, you know, <laughs> prophesying left and right, discerning everything, knowing what to do all the time. Come here, brother. Come here, brother. Come here, brother. And you're just telling them something. Listen, that means you, you ain't filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. Let's see you in your car when you're driving and somebody get in front of you. Let's see you filled with the Holy Spirit then. Yeah. Amen. See how the Spirit's moving in your car, buddy. Right? I'm just saying, if you feel with the Holy Spirit from salvation, you know, there shouldn't be no sin. You know, we should all be just following you. Right? Nah. Right? And I ain't mad. But that's, 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 that's a biblical idea. But then he says, this is what it looks like. This is what happens. I wish I had help. When you're filled with the Spirit. He said, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, a byproduct of it is worship. A byproduct that the Holy Spirit got it, got, is up on you. I ain't talking about we're all worshipers. Because see, that's how people that don't like to emotionally get what God taught. Well, we're all worshipers and we should worship God all the time. That means you don't like to lift your hands. Just say it. 
Y'all know I'm right about it. That means you don't, you don't like, it scares you when the Holy Spirit's doing something among God's people. You get scared, so you theologize him out by saying, oh, I just meditate here, and I'm just here with mine with God. That's not in the Bible. Okay? Look at what it says. It says, it says worshiping should do what? At, uh, it says at addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. So what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit is here is to, is, is to exhort one another through worship. That means that songs that people do in gatherings and outside of gatherings should minister to other believers. Now, Psalms here is multifaceted, meaning lament psalms, psalms of trust, psalms of praise, messianic or adoration slash uh, royalty psalms. That, 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 that means, that, that, means that, that, that singing and the information in them should be multifaceted and should do something in particular. Now, some of us have made a misnomer. If the cross is not in a song, you know, I, I just don't think it's of God. Well, if you understand a worship set, it's one song, really. And each song should have a particular function in the gathering. Hymns are supposed to be weighty theological treaties that point us to the information of God. Psalms, which also means, uh, which also Horner says means to pluck strings. So if you're in a church and all they believe in is the organ, the organ isn't in the Bible, even though you say none of the instruments should be in the New Testament. That's weird to me. But... But the word means strings. In other words, multifaceted songs in which the people of God are drummed up to worship. And that also doesn't mean in worship gatherings, it means what grandmama used to do in the kitchen while she was making grits and, 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 and buttered biscuits and cobbling fried chicken and, 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 and putting fat back in the greens. Y'all know nothing about that. Grandmama be stern, woke up this morning with my mind, my mind. Stayed on Jesus. And we come up in there, we be like, Grandma, stop. <laughs> but know what she was doing? Admonishing you. Yeah. What did you get up with your old nasty mind on? Is what she was saying. <laughs> but guess she was doing? Admonishing me. She'd be singing, I hasten to his throne. She'd be singing, I hasten, because know why? Because she's trying to get you before the throne. Hey, amen, somebody. See, see, in other words, <coughs> songs, they're not, see, some of us, that's not a God-centered song. What you've done is you've taken an aspect of a type of psalm in him and spiritual psalm and made that the only way because the text says you're actually addressing other Christians. So that means, that means worship songs can talk to believers yet glorify God because it says it's to Jesus Christ ultimately. So that means Christ should be the center of the songs. However, you can address one another in the song. Some of y'all, we need to just learn some songs and sing to each other every now and then. And be, be, you, you, need, you need to begin just break out on a song, you know, on somebody. They start wilding, I'll just break up on, on, on the song. I need the old. And, and then when somebody starts talking bad about you and starts slandering, no weapon. Yeah, you know. See, I'm going to get some worshipers in here in a second. See, you need, you need some songs that take the... Because the issue is, is it in the Word? Is it proper in context? And is it artistically laid out in a way that pleases God in both content and presentation? You take that booger there and begin to... Oh, God. Wreck a gathering. 
And so I'm just, we, we, and that's what I want for us. I want to be, us to be a celebratory community. That our worship is not based, somebody here sitting here, well, I'm not wired like that. Well, what does the Bible say you're wired like, though? Don't tell me what you got on the the Myers-Briggs and the disc. I'm an eye. I'm a high eye, so my worship's going to be. Going to make me, whoa. God wired you for worship. And that means your behind need to learn how to give the sacrifice of praise. That means your hands should lift one day in the gathering. Your mouth should open one day in the gathering. That means you should dance every now and then. That means you ought to buck every now and then. Sometimes you ought to just open your mouth. I know I ain't wired that way. I, no. Sometimes you should open your mouth and shabak before the Lord. I wish I had some help. Every now and then, because see, 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 if I was back in my old church, I'd say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. See, every now and then, your soul needs to boast in the Lord. You boasting in your girlfriend, you boasting in your girl boyfriend, you boasting in what you got, but why don't you boast in who has you? I wish I had some help. Because I know y'all like conservative theology and line-by-line teaching, but every now and then, you should get spiritually out of line and just wild out and get up before the Lord and honor his name and lift him up. And listen, you should do it when you don't feel like it. You should do it. That's, that's when you need to do it. That's when you need, when you don't feel like it and, and pain is racking in your body and you're frustrated with life, you should get up on your corns and your bunions and give God the praise and give God the glory. I wish I had some help in here. You should have a psalm on your heart. You should have a hymn on your heart. You should have the word of God on your heart. You need to learn how to lift your God up. All that he's done, he died on the cross for your sins. Took away your iniquity. Healed all of your diseases. And it's coming back one day and you're going to sit on your hands? You worship. You worship your God. I wish I had time to talk about how some deliverance do come through praise. I wish I had some time to talk about the walls of Jericho coming down. See, some stuff ain't going to come down till you worship. Now, that ain't the good theology. It's great theology. It's in the Bible. You ought to worship some stuff out of your way. I wish I had some help. See, some of our see, see, if your mind, see, the reason why you don't like worship is because you like you more than you like God. Worship, worship, worship is strange because it demands, listen, you not worship you. That's why, that's why you, your, your, your hands like logs now. You like this. But when you recognize and you, and we're not worshiping air and space. We're worshiping the living God whose mercy endures forever he delivered you from sexual promiscuity some of y'all he delivered you from being a hoe some of y'all he delivered you from being all types of stuff and know what you should do in response to that thank him honor him bless him worship him lift him up 
See, we're going to apply what the Bible says. <laughs> we want to honor him and lift him high above the earth. Blessings and honor, O oh God. Glory and power, O oh God. Forever. Thy throne, O oh God, will last forever. His throne will last forever. His throne will last forever. His throne will last forever. And I saw a new heavens and a new earth. And the tabernacle of God was among men. I can't wait to that day. I can't, but I'm not going to wait to that day to give him glory. I'm not going to wait to that day to give him honor. I'm going to tell my will, you're going to worship your God. You're going to lift up your God. You're going to honor your God. Because if the Eagles was winning, I'd be wilding out. If the Phillies was doing good, I'd be running. If, if, if somebody talked against my team, I'd be ready to fight. But what about the God who did so much more for me, and I'm cheering on a team that did nothing for, oh my God. I'm going to sit down. I'm trying to sit down. <laughs> I'm trying to sit down. God, we're not walking in some type of emotional frenzy. <laughs> we're not, we're trying to, not, not trying to make ourselves emotional. We're thankful that you've redeemed our emotions. And you've made us brand new. Help us to walk in the new wiring through you. You've wired us for worship. You've wired us for obedience. You've wired us to walk with you. And so God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that the cross would be the center of our worship. I pray that Jesus would be the center of our worship. We know that we're worshipers by identity. But Lord God, we want to begin to be a church that doesn't see public worship and expression as non-theological and non-intellectual. But we want you to change the atmosphere of our worship culture here. Because sometimes you might visit us in such a way We'll be here for longer than we were scheduled to. But when you enjoy being with someone you love, time passes very fast. So God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would give us a greater heart to love you. So that as we worship you and lift you up, God, that the time just feels like, oh man, it's been an hour, it's been two. Lord, help us to be that way. Remove shackles from lives in worship. We're going to believe you for it. We're going to believe you for it, God. In Jesus' mighty name, we honor you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.
you, Lord. Thank you. Some of y'all graduated. You didn't think you was going to graduate. God provided financially. <laughs> Some of y'all been out of a job for a minute and God provided a job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay to thank him. I just want to thank you. <laughs> been so good. He's been so good. Been so good. Someone had a closed womb and God opened your womb and you pregnant and gonna have a baby. You've been good, God. He deserved worship for that. Somebody was on drugs and God delivered you from your drug addiction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're thankful, thank him. Yes, God. Hallelujah to the living God. We just want to say thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. Yeah, God, we just wanted to spend some time acknowledging you. We thank you for all that you're doing in our life. I know time is way past for us to end, but God, we, we want to acknowledge you and lift you up for being good and your mercy enduring forever. You, you, you healed 10, but nobody came back and said thank you, but one. And God, we want to be a thankful community. We want to be a community of gratitude that doesn't, that doesn't have an entitlement philosophy. See, a worshiper God, we understand, doesn't believe we're entitled to anything. But everything is a gift. And so God, today, we say thank you. We say thank you with all of our hearts for things that we've never thanked you for. Thank you for purity. Thank you for holiness. Thank you for righteousness. Thank you for, thank you for holiness. Thank you for putting food on the table. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for paying bills we didn't know how he's gonna pay. Thank you for when the car broke down. You, you provided us to get from point A to point B, Lord God. Thank you for when the job got lost. We didn't miss a meal. We didn't miss a bill. Thank you, God. We honor you today. We do want to be a theological community. And good theology thanks to God who gives them the theology. And so God, will you, will you rapture us? Rapture us into the goodness of your glory. We love you, God. We bless you, God. Make our time with you sweet this week, God. Make, make our time with you sweet this week. Make our time with you. Help us to talk to you all day. Help us to put some worship music on this week that points us heavenward. 
that worships you and honors you and lifts you high. Put a song of praise in our heart this week. We love you, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's give God a hand praise. Let's give God a hand praise. If he's worthy of praise, lift him up. He's worthy of praise. Lift him up. We bless you, God, today. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for communion. Communion is another way we thank God. Thank God for sending Jesus Christ and dying on the cross for us.